glad that you're joining us here on this beautiful long weekend, whether you're here at Ajax or in Port Perry, Bowmanville, watching from a cottage or somewhere else around the world. Like you just saw back on June 2nd, we revealed plan two, the next five years of this church. And the whole plan was summarized into those four major categories, presence, reach, develop, and network. And if you were there that day or you've watched it since, you know the excitement, so much to take in, lots to pray about, the fear, the trepidation, the faith all mixed together. And maybe you've forgotten some of the significant things we're going to attempt to do, but let me remind you, it's our goal that in the next five years, 5,500 to 6,000 people will call this church their home. We have a faith goal of 700 baptisms in five years, and then we announced that we'd be between eight and ten locations beyond Ajax and Bowmanville and Port Perry and Pickering. We'd be going to North York and Lower Oakville and downtown Toronto and Port Hope Coburg and Lindsay Peterborough and the Stouffville Markham border area and and then if that wasn't enough, we announced our goal was to have 1,500 to 2,000 people go through Alpha in the next five years and wrestle through their faith or their lack of faith connected to Jesus. And, and then we announced we have a vision to start a leadership training school because there's a clergy crisis in our country and we want to equip and empower the next wave of young pastors and preachers and evangelists and leaders to sort of take up the mantle in the next run. And there was so much more beyond that. But it was the last major announcement in that last video connected to Plan 2, which got a lot of gas and a lot of conversation when we announced that we'd be changing our name. Now, since that moment, if we were a betting church, and we're not, but if we were, wow, has it been a conversation. As a church community that began in the late 1970s, one thing that has always defined us is the desire to change, to grow, to adapt to our surroundings and our changing needs. In the early days, we were called Bethel. We met in places like church buildings and movie theaters and the beaches in Toronto. And out of that small local church, a group of people in the 1980s moved out intentionally to the suburbs of Pickering and met in a small primary school and then got some land and started something called Steeple Hill Community Bible Church. And it began to grow and explode. And then we outgrew that facility in the 90s. And that's when I, by the way, joined the church. And we were unsure of next steps and what to, what to do. And then amazingly, literally for us, out of the blue, a Christian developer named John Body, you may know his name because of home came to us and said, I see that basically you're out of land and out of, uh, out of resources. And so listen, I want to give you a piece of land in Ajax and it's going to cost you $2. What do you think about that? We're like, thank you, God. That's the answer. And so we started coming. You can clap. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so beautiful. And we're at this site, Ajax. This is the site that cost us $2. And, and then we met in Ajax High School for three and three and a half years before any portable church existed. And that was fun while we were building Crothers Creek Community Church. And we called it Crothers Creek Community Church because maybe you don't know this. Most people don't. There's actually something called Crothers Creek, a real creek that runs near this facility. Well, quickly, people didn't want to keep saying Crothers Creek Community Church any longer. And so they just started calling us C4 in the mid-2000s, and so we embraced it as our more official name and brand, and now we've moved into this multi-site reality, and C4 is stuck, and overall it's been good. 
But over time, the name C4 has started to cause some confusion in the larger Christian community and does not describe who we really are to skeptics and seekers and those trying to understand. For example, we are often asked if we are the four C's, which we're fine with, but we're not. That's the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. We are regularly confused with our great friends at C3 Church, an Australian denomination that's planted all over the world and in the last five or six years has now planted multiple sites in the Toronto area. Let me bring the confusion home so we understand this. We've had multiple people call us trying to join their C3 small group, even though we are C4. We have had people from C3 call us for their tax receipts. And we said, well, you can give and we'll give you a tax receipt. But no, <laughs> blessings upon our brothers down the street and our sisters. And, and everywhere we go, Kenya, Vancouver, Toronto, London, our staff and people regularly have people say, how is C3 going? How? And we're like, it's great, but we're not them. They're like, oh, did you used to be part of them and you divorced, now you're C4 because you're better? No, no, not at all. We're all in this together. Let me bring this home. On Thursday, one of our daughters has a tutor and she came in and she's known us for years and she's incredibly, a credible woman and, and we were talking, she says, oh, my son at university, his roommate's going to your church. And I was like, oh, what site? She's like, downtown Toronto. I'm like, we're not there yet. He's going to C3. Isn't that amazing? That's not even our church, but we're all in this together. Uh, not only that, our, our name C4 uh, has caused problems overseas. Uh, C4 is an explosive that actually kills things. And um, we're laughing, but as we've talked to our partners in Uganda and Bangladesh and India, they have actually said to us how much they love us and how we're learning to work together. But they're saying, actually, your name is a barrier for us talking about you. And also our name, C4, again, shorthand for Crothers Creek Community Church, is geographically bound and set. But we are a regional church far beyond this Ajax location and the Crothers Creek that runs it, runs near this location. So if you remember on June 2nd, as we revealed plan two, this is what we left you with, these exact words. As we do with all things at C4, we're using prompting and planning to guide us forward. We're working together as a staff team and with branding experts, but also we're going to go and ask and pray to see if God wants to say something specific to us. And so that brings me today to share the story of how we got to the name that we're going to reveal later in the service. Back in 2016, the British government was going to build and did build a $326 million ship that would be used for climate and ocean research in Antarctica and the Arctic. They decided they would do something they had never done before. They decided they were going to let the public name the ship through poll. Well, a BBC uh, radio jockey jokingly suggests that the boat should be called Bodie McBoatface. Well, the name stuck, and not only stuck, the public loved it so much that it actually won the poll. So you need to think about this. A $326 million Her Majesty's ship, Bodie McBoatface. Well, the Minister for Universities and Science, Joe Johnson, announced that he would be breaking their promise, would have nothing to do with it at all, and it would be called the Sir David Attenborough after the famed leader. And Bodie McBoatface was not lost, but would be used for one of the submersibles aboard instead. So we decided not to do a poll across our church. We decided Bodie McBoatface Church would not be great. And you can understand, because there is so much investment, personal investment in a name. If you're a parent, or been involved in a family that names a child. You know how this goes. Do I like that name? What's the meaning of the name? I knew someone who was called that when I was five and I still hate them. By the way, there's freedom session for that. Just saying, you can be free. Uh, the history of the meaning, people you don't like, culture, personal preference. It's like my 
middle daughter, I love the name, the biblical name Shiloh, Shiloh, the, the place where God dwells. And my wife's like, that's great. I love Emma. And I'm like, I like Shiloh. And she's like, I like Emma. And her name is Emma Shiloh, by the way, uh, because this is the way it goes. Now, we know that change like this can be hard for some of us. I mean, a lot of us, including myself, I've been here since we were called Steeple Hill Community Bible Church. I joined this church when I was 15 years old. And C4 has been part of our identity for a long time. So some of you are going to love the name today. Some of you are not going to love the name today. Others of you are like, I don't care. Let's just get on with it. I want to see what God does. And some of you are like, I'm a guest today. What's going on? Are you going to name me? No, we're not naming you. It's okay. But we did just like we promised We knew this would be a major plan of part two. And so, knowing because of all the brand confusion, we had to change our name anyways, we went before the Lord just to see if he would say anything. And and, and we did it like we always talk about, prompting and planning. We used the spiritual disciplines and spiritual gifts, solitude, silence, communal discernment, words of knowledge, etc. Now, as we prayed and listened, we weren't exactly going, oh, God is going to give us the name. It's not like we're expecting a vision, behold, right? No. We just listened, and, and actually, in the moment, a lot of us didn't think he was going to speak. And then shockingly and unexpectedly, he did. And the very first thing God asked us was this, why has no one ever consulted me about the name of this church before? Whoa. That was a moment that I didn't even see coming. We've always connected the names to geography since we moved into Durham. Now, at that moment when God spoke... We had some honest time of prayer and repentance. Not that the old names were wrong. It was like God was saying, but you never even thought to ask me. Second, as we continued to pray, it became very clear that this name didn't have to be trendy. It did not need to be based in geography. But he gave us two key criteria right in the prayer time that actually had to reflect in the name. He said the name for this season must reflect who God is in his fullness and how God sees us as a community. So it wasn't just strategic to change the name because we would have done it anyway. But actually, we realized maybe more was going on than we thought, and God was really in this. So who God is and how God sees us, fine, those are some very specific guardrails, but not just who God is. Who God is in his what? Fullness. Oh. Well, that's easy and also more complicated because God, the true God, the God of the Bible, is one, and yet God is holy community. Our God is Trinity, triune, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Later, the whole Jewish faith is summarized in Deuteronomy 6.4. O hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is what? One. So there is only one God, only one true living God, one who is uncreated, and yet as you read the Bible cover to cover, it gets more mysterious, more beautiful, more intriguing, more inviting. We found this out in our last series. How does John begin his gospel at the beginning of creation? In the beginning, at creation, was God? No, oh, the Word. And the Word was with God, and oh my goodness, the Word at the same time was God. Jesus, the Word was with God in the beginning. So Jesus, before he was even born, existed, and he's standing beside the Father, and yet he's one with the Father, and what? And as you keep reading the Bible, the same language is used even about the Holy Spirit. One of the most explicit verses about the Trinity is found in one of Paul's blessings in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. All three persons, different yet equal, having authority to bless us. Grace, love, fellowship. 
And yet you cannot read this verse like, well, God is the Father and the other two are not God and there's something else. No, no. Simply put, our relationship with God and our unity with each other is found in the profound, mysterious work of the triune God. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 2.18, for through Jesus, both Jews and non-Jews have access to the Father by one spirit. Anyone want to say amen to that? We all have the same access. What was the last words of Jesus to the church? Before he ascended, Matthew 28, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, of all skin colors, of all people groups, of all ethnicity, and baptize them into, notice, the name singular of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He does not say go and baptize them into God, Father, Son, and Spirit. He does not say go and baptize them into the names, nor is it the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit. It is the singular name and yet a plurality, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are distinctly different yet are united in some profound way in one name. Even the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, at the very end reflects this truth about God. Revelation 22.1, the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves are the trees for the healing of the nations." Now, if you know anything about your Bible, here's the thing. There is only one God, and there is only one God who gets to sit on one throne, and he is the Father. Yet, shockingly, Jesus is sitting on that throne, so there's something like that. There's this equality, and that what is flowing from the throne, though, is this living water. You're like, well, it's just metaphor. Yes, but it's so much more, because if you know who wrote Revelation, John, you'll remember what Jesus recorded when Jesus was speaking in John 7. Whoever believes in me, as the Bible has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them, and this, by this he meant the Holy Spirit. And so you've got the Father and the Son and the Spirit, even at the end of time, healing the nations, bringing us back home and making all things new. Our God is one, yet he is triune. As one wrote, within God's own a mysterious being, God is Father, Son, and Spirit. The designations are just the ways in which God is God. Within the Godhead, there are three persons who are neither three gods nor three parts of God, but co-eternally and co-equally God. There is one God. This is the heart of the Jewish and Christian faith, and yet he is triune. We are monotheists, mutated. But more, if you read your Bible from beginning to end, there are two other significant things about God that you cannot get away get away from. He's not just one, and he's not just holy community within himself. Here's the next thing. God is holy. Listen again to the famed verses out of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were angels, seraphim, and they were calling back and forth one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So God is holy in two senses. He is wholly other, uncreated, and different from creation. And he is holy, H-O-L-Y, without sin. God cannot stand sin. The Bible says God hates sin. Sin cannot stand in God's presence. God has such perfection and light. When sin walks in, it burns. But God is not just holy. Amazingly, shockingly, paradoxically, God is not just holy. God also is love. See, the grounding... The DNA, the essence of God is not just holy or love. One is not the foundation floor for the other, like some preachers say. No, no, no. He is holy love at the same time. He's holy love before us. He's holy love before creation. He's holy love before time. He's holy love today. He's holy love tomorrow. And this brings us back to the Trinity. When God says he's love, most of us think about us. God loves me. God cares for me. God will provide for me. God is love. Well, that's all true, but by the way, we are never the starting point of the conversation. 
Because when God says he is love, he was love before the beginning. As C.S. Lewis brilliantly wrote, God is love has no real meaning unless God contains at least two persons. Love is something that one has for another person. If God was a single person, then before the world was made, he could not have been love. Wow. So you cannot be loving and you cannot be holy without someone else in the room. And as the famed theologian Karl Barth said, the doctrine of the Trinity is what basically distinguishes the Christian doctrine of God as Christian. This is how we talk about God. This is how we know the God of the Bible. And we can distinguish between right and wrong versions of God. The Trinity is the red line between falseness and truth. I know what you're all doing. You're like, oh, Trinity. You're just Googling everything possible for the name. So that's God in his fullness. But then what about how he sees us? How does he see us as a church? Well, before we get to how God is uniquely shaping and calling this local church, we need to be reminded about how he sees every single Christian on earth. One of the best summaries is actually found in 1 Corinthians 1-2. Paul writing to the church in Corinth says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. To those sanctified, don't miss the power of this. To those who are already made perfect, past tense. See, you're not just set apart if you're a Christian right now. Because of Jesus in the heavenlies, you are perfect. When God the Father looks at you, he looks at you through the work of Jesus. You're already holy. You're already good with the Father. You're already clean. You're already reconciled. You're already loved. You're already held. You're already owned. Through and by Jesus, you are a saint. A saint is not someone who's declared a saint. A saint is someone who trusts in Jesus, and Jesus covers them with his work. And since we've been set apart from God, by God, we have God's approval, worth, affirmation, and love. That is true over every Christian right now. And by the way, if you're a seeker or a skeptic and you've never embraced Jesus, this is actually what you're missing out on, and this is the beautiful truth of the gospel. Jesus takes broken things and makes them clean. Amen, everyone? So every one of us is a saint. So that's who God is in his fullness, and this is what we are. We are saints, and then he says, oh, by the way, you who are positionally right with God already, you need to work it out down here. To those who are sanctified, be holy. So to those that are holy, be holy down here in marriage, in relationships, with money, in sexuality, with enemy, with friends. Okay, that's true of every Christian. That's the amazing connection we all have with God and others. But then we all know if you come to this church, that God has also very, very specifically given this church some promises to pray back to him because he's decided to do a sovereign thing. Not because we're bigger, not because we're better, just because he decided. One of the core verses giving, given to us at the beginning of this journey, just after 2005, was right out of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 14, you're a light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. A city of hope, a city of light, a church that would be marked by helping people in the name of Jesus. Well, later, after that more general promise, there was a moment where very specific promises were given, and we were told in a way we had never been told in all of our history to pray them back, because God had decided to do a sovereign new thing. And the very first thing we were given was 2 Chronicles chapter 5. When I first got it, I had no clue what the passage was. I went to it, and it was the dedication of the temple under Solomon. And it reads like this. When all the work Solomon had done for the temple of the Lord was finished, he brought in the things of his father David that he had dedicated. And when all the elders of Israel arrived, the Levites took up the ark, and they brought up the ark, and notice this, the tent of meeting. That's the place of Moses, where Moses used to hang out with God. And all the sacred furnishings, and the Levitical priests carried them up. 
And the trumpeters and the musicians joined in unison and gave, gave praise and thanks to God, accompanied by trumpet, cymbal, and other instruments. The singers raised their voice and praised to the Lord and saying, He is good and His love endures forever. And then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Now, when we got this, this is what God said to us. Two things are about to take place. Number one, there is going to be a growing change in the church where people will come to this community with expectation that they are going to encounter the living God. Now, I don't know if you've been here for a while, but if you have, you'll remember about 10 years ago, this is as much expectation we had on a Sunday morning around here. When you come to this church now, this is not the posture of our community. We come expectant to encounter the living God. Amen? It's an amazing change. But here's the second and more significant thing. In 2 Chronicles, it says that the things of David and the things of Moses were inserted into the new work. And right when I was given this and we tested it in community, here's what the Holy Spirit said. The things of Steeple Hill and the things of Crothers Creek, C4, that are good and beautiful in their season are now coming to an end. And those two things will be inserted into the new work. And both of those things were good. And so for years, we've been praying this promise back. Oh, God, would you move? Would you send your Holy Spirit in greater power? And we have seen it. But today, at this moment, the era of C4 is really coming to an end right now. This is the beginning of the new work. And the things of Moses and David, the things of Steeple Hill and Crothers Creek C4 are about to be inserted in. Now, at the same time we were given 2 Chronicles 5, 10 minutes later, we were given something else. If 2 Chronicles was the promise to pray, then 2 Corinthians 5 was the mark of what the promise would look like and feel like. 5.8, we're confident, I say, we'd prefer to be away from the body and at home with Jesus. We make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things well done in the body, whether good or bad. And so here's what the Holy Spirit said, as my presence grows in this church. God's presence is in every church, but as my palpable presence grows more and more, the lordship of Jesus would be evidenced more and more. The revival will be marked for an ever-growing love for Jesus, and his kingship and lordship will be welcomed and accepted. For me to live is Christ, and to die is what? Gain. So that's the promise we've been praying back and seeing in part. This is the mark that we've been praying back and seeing in part. And as we continue to pray for this ever-increasing move over a decade, there was one last promise given halfway through the journey that not only gave us the, the idea, the promise, and the mark, it gave us the picture. It's like the Holy Spirit came and said, and now I'm going to show you what this is going to look like. And he took us to Zechariah 8. And I've preached through this many times before. If you're new, you need to go back to September 2018. You can listen to all of this. But let me do the mini summary. Zechariah 8.2, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I'm very jealous for Jerusalem. I'm burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Jerusalem and dwell in Jerusalem. And, and the Jerusalem will be called a city of truth. And the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called a holy mountain. And so the Lord said, as I continue to do a unique thing in this church, my presence will be moving more and more. Guaranteed place of encounter, more and more true. People will continually say, I have met the presence of God when I go to that church. But not only have I met his presence... It would be a place where God's truth was unashamedly loved, preached, and lived out. So the, the idea was signs and wonders, grace and truth, word and deed. 
This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in streets of, in the streets of Jerusalem, each with cane in hand because of their age. And Jerusalem's streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. And God said, many generations will be sovereignly brought to this church. Many children and teens and young adults and adults. As society fractures along generational lines, as even churches try to only reach one generation, God has promised us, I'm going to do the reverse. All the generations will be here and you will see this unique thing take place. And look around, it is already taking place. Later it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, many people and inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city are going to go to another and say, let us go to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going, and many people and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. Years ago, the Lord said, here's what's going to start happening. People are going to start walking into the church and say, I don't even know I'm here, but I need to be here. Other people are going to start talking to other people cities and multiple cities are going to start coming and driving and you're going to be sent out and look at plan two we're going to be in multiple cities and not only that then he said it's not just going to be cities different nations and ethnic groups the world is going to start coming bit by bit and then more and more and then like a flood and then the whole church will be filled with all different backgrounds from all different generations and we will be rallying around the presence of God and the truth of God and showing the world that we can overcome our differences in Jesus amen anyone to that and then the last thing, this is what the Lord Almighty says, and this is the most beautiful. In those days, 10 people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one person from Jerusalem by the hem of the robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. People are going to start grabbing the coats and, and, and Instagram and, and, and texting and say, I've got to go with you. I hear God is with you and you've got to bring us to these gatherings. We need to meet him. So the promise was given, the mark was given, and the picture was given. And we've been praying those back and more and more. If you've been on this journey for a while, we've seen more and more of all of this in part. And then as we came before God with the name, one last verse came forward. Isaiah 62, 12. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. You shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. So here's the summary if you're taking notes. God is Trinity and God is one. God is holy and God is love. Because of God's holiness and his love, we are now loved and we are also now made holy. And promise after promise, passage after passage, there's this reference to city. And in this city, among these people, God's presence will be found, his truth will be preached, he'll be personally encountered, and many cities and many ethnic groups and many nations will come and encounter him. So we looked at all that and went, wow, where's one name that's going to encapsulate all of that? I mean, city is trendy, but it doesn't translate to what we're about to do because we're, we're going to do something that most churches have never thought about. We're going to have urban and suburban and rural sites. And Trinity's influential, and so is truth, and so is the presence of God, and so is hope. So maybe we should be called City of Hope Church or, or our Living Hope Church or Trinity City Church or Trinity Life Church or Trinity Grace Church. Well, they're all taken. Maybe we should make up a name and mix things together like City and Trinity. Let's be, oh, that will be Trinity Church or Redeemed Church or Exchange Church, or Trinity Exchange Church, or Kinfolk Church, or Pathway Church, or, or Prodigal Church. No, no, no. Let's be like Google and Apple. We'll just take a name that has nothing to do with what you're doing and make it something else. No, no. I know what the answer is. We'll just put them all together. We'll be Trinity, Life City, Holy Fire, Truth, City Church, International Ministry. Amen. No. So we're sitting, going, all the pieces are there, and we've got divine guardrails, and it's like doing a puzzle at the cottage. You've got to just get that corner piece, and then it's going to all fit together. And so we were in a moment, and we weren't exacerbated. We weren't upset. We were just like, we know that it's here. And so we stopped, and we prayed. We said, Lord, you've got to speak. We need, need to know it. 
amen. You need to speak. So knowing we were so close, in a moment of prayer, then it happened. One word came forward that none of us had seen, that none of us had thought about, and right when that word came forward, we knew this was the name. We actually all sat back and went, oh my goodness, this is the name. And so now, we're going to watch a video. <laughs> You're like, come on! <laughs> no, no. No, it's okay. We're going to show you a video, and the video actually reveals the name. And as we watch this together, I want you just to take this in, and then I'm going to come back, I'm going to explain a few things, and then we're going to pray and dedicate this next season. So uh, with lots of everything, faith and fear, let's watch this together. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. As a church community that began in the 1970s, one of the things that has always defined us is a desire to change, grow, and adapt to our surroundings and changing needs. On June 2nd, we revealed plan two, our strategic plan for the next five years. And with that came a real prompting that we needed to change our name for the next chapters of our church. As we prayerfully sought the Lord in the past few months, it became very clear to our leadership team that God's hand was in this. It was clear to us by the Holy Spirit that our new name needed to include who God is, how he sees us and where he is calling us. He is holy. Father, Son, and Spirit, Triune God. He is the head of the body, the Holy Church. And as His church, we are redeemed, set apart, a holy people, forever changed by the cross of Christ. Because of the great kindness, mercy, and love of God, we cannot remain silent, we cannot rest. We will lift up our praise to God, shouting, Hosanna in the highest, for we have not been forsaken. The Lord is with us. So we step forward into what may be unknown to us, but is fully known by our God. Holy, holy, holy. This is who God is, and this is who we are as his people. Sanctus Church. Some of you are like, what does that mean? Why am I clapping? I'm so Canadian. Okay, let me help you. No, listen, it's great that you're at, this is an amazing moment. Sanctus is the Latin word for holy. It is the word that actually describes God in his entirety and also describes in our entirety who we are because of Jesus. It actually comes from Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy. It's a direct reference to the holiness of God, the oneness of God in the Trinity. God is holy love. We are his holy people. He is one in many. We are one in many. We are a worshiping community that responds to the salvation of God and what he's done. This new name is so significant because it is not geographically bound. And notice the word sanctus hovers over the name church, which 
represents God's promise to us that his glorious presence is going to keep growing in this church over a period of time like he has promised. More than that, it's old and it's new, it's ancient and it's future, and it's baggage-free. It has not a historic branding with Christians or non-Christians. For us as Christians, it reflects, again, everything that we are. For seekers and skeptics, it will be a new name, but we're so post-Christian that we're pre-Christian. Most non-Christians have no clue what holy or trinity or first baptist or bethel or or anything means the name and i want you to listen to this the name becomes an amazing point to share the good news about jesus when you say oh i go to sanctus church they're like what's a sanctus let me tell you who god is let me tell you what jesus did for me let me tell you what he can do for you he is sanctus i've been made sanctus and so can you let me share the gospel of jesus christ but more when we were in the meeting something shocking took place when we heard the word and the word was uncovered joanna lafleur our former communications director immediately went online to see, of course, if anyone had the name. We actually, we all took out our phones and started doing it immediately. And to our shock, not one church was called Sanctus Church. And then, even more shocking, we went on to look at every single social media domain on Facebook, on Instagram, and everything. No one globally had bought Sanctus Church anywhere. I was like, Joanna, buy, buy, buy now. She was like, yes, yes, yes. And, and it, it was cheap because no one wanted it. More, more, more. It was great. And then we, of course, because we're a, a government-incorporated community, we had to go through the governmental process uh, to see if it was too close to another incorporated name. It's not. We couldn't believe it. But then the most significant moment happened at the end of that meeting. Pastor Chris uh, pointed out something that most of us did not know formally. He said, you know, in every major church tradition, in the liturgical church for the last between 1,500 and 1,700 years, from east to west, there is one shared prayer across all churches that are said in almost every single service globally, and it's called the Sanctus Prayer. It's actually based on Isaiah 6, holy, 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 and it's also based on the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, where God's people welcome Jesus as a guaranteed place of encounter. And so we pulled it out, and we were so, again, affirmed and shocked and celebrating because this ancient prayer affirms who God is, and it affirms the welcoming of Jesus. And lastly, what really shocked us was, in those more liturgical-style churches, it is called a prayer of consecration. It is called the Holy Prayer. And so let me read it to you. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so we knew that God had spoken and we knew this encompassed God as Trinity, God as one, what God had done through Jesus for us, what God was calling us personally to do. This is connected to the promise of ongoing revival and this was connected to his guaranteed promise of encounter as we gather more and more to touch our region, multiple cities, and the world. And so I want to say to you, welcome to Sanctus Church, which is really amazing. It's really good. So, if you could stand, and we're going to dedicate ourselves in this moment. And it's okay, by the way, we know this is going to take time. Some of you are going to wrestle through this. It's fine. It's okay. But we really want to take this, this holy moment to do this. And so, whether you're here or at another site or watching somewhere else, would we just put our arms out and, and, and our hands out and let's pray. God, thank you, number one, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you that our unity is because God the Father called us, Jesus died for us and rose from the dead for us and has bought us back, and that we all have the same spirit. Thank you that our unity is deeper than a name. But thank you for the name. Thank you that this reflects who you are, 
what you've already done and what you're still doing and what you're about to do. And we do say, and we do claim all the promises. Second Chronicles 5, Holy Spirit, come in the greatest of power. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, may the lordship of Jesus grow in every aspect of our life. Well, we do pray, Zechariah 8, that, that you would bring the young and the old and, and the nations were co- would come and multiple ethnic groups would come together and despite our differences and all the struggles we have, you would bind us together because we have one Father, one Lord, and one Spirit. And we do pray for revival. We do pray for an unusual, non-manufactured move of God so people, 10 people would grab the hem of each person in this church saying, I gotta come with you, I don't know what's going on, but I wanna encounter whatever's happening over there. And so we dedicate this next chapter of our church, and we are thankful. Thank you, Lord, for Bethel. (laughs) Thank you for Steeple Hill Community Bible Church, when Dave Collins led for so long. Thank you for the era called Crothers Creek Community Church. Thank you for the era called C4. But now we are asking God, insert the old work into the new. And we now dedicate ourselves with the Sanctus Prayer. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen, amen, amen. Let's sing to our God together.